Welcome, everybody, and thank you so much for joining me. This is A Deeper Conversation, a podcast for Jewish women. This is episode 7, entitled Berchas Torah, A Woman's Role. If you'd like to reach me, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, please email me at adeeperconversation120 at gmail.com. I would really love to hear from you, so please email me at adeeperconversation120 at gmail.com. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about Berchas Torah. And I also want to talk about even more, or where I'm going to go with this, is a woman's role with regards to Torah study. And at the end, I'm going to tie it all into Hanukkah. Hanukkah's this week, Thursday night. Um, so looking forward to that. And then maybe next week I might take a break before Birchos HaShachar and talk about Hanukkah instead, woman and Hanukkah, something along those lines. If you'd like to hear about that again, Please feel free to email me at deeperconversation120 at gmail.com. But meanwhile, let's get on with Birchas Torah. So after we have our morning, two morning blessings, um, well, three, I guess, we have, we wake up in the morning, we say Modani, we wash our hands, we say Asher Yetzar, the bracha for going to the bathroom. And then according to some opinions, we say Elokai Neshama, we've thanked Hashem for our physical and our spiritual bodies. So our basic existence is now taken care of. We've acknowledged um, our thanks to God and um you know, the fact that we have those things from Hashem. Now we get into the main purpose of those gifts, which is to study Torah. So Birchas Torah, which is a blessing that we say on learning Torah, which is an obligation throughout the day, is said in the morning, and it's inserted here before Birchas HaShachar. So Birchas HaShachar are the blessings for all the things that we're grateful for to God. We'll get into that later. But it's important to put in Birchas Torah first, before that, because Birchas Torah or understanding the Torah, is the filter for which we see everything else. And everything else that we do in our lives that we're grateful for in our lives, um, it's only because of the Torah that we're able to um, appreciate those things. And again, Torah is sort of like, it's a little bit like the filter. If you put a filter in front of the lens through which we want to see the rest of the world. If you think about that filter, like, a, you know, like I'm thinking about a lens and somebody drops down a colored filter, right? And the rest of the way, and the way that you look at the world now is all sort of going through that lens and colored through that lens. That's kind of what we want to have always in front of our eyes with regards to the rest of the world. And that Torah is how we see the rest of the world, or how we go about experiencing the rest of the world. So the bracha here, Baruch HaTashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kitshanu Mitzosa V'tzivanu, we've explained what that means, La'asok B'divrei Sora, which means to busy ourselves in the words of Torah. Now, this is a very specific word, La'asok means to be busy, and it's chosen for a very, very specific reason, and that is because our job with regards to Torah is not just to learn it, not just to understand it, not just to achieve intellectual uh, knowledge, information, memorize facts, but really what our job is with regards to Torah is to be busy with it. An Orthodox Jew is doing something almost every single second of the day in service of God through the mitzvahs and the Torah, if you think about it. I was talking to somebody who had converted to Judaism, who had been a very religious Christian beforehand, and he was telling me that there's no comparison to the observance and to how involved a Jewish person is in serving God. Even to him, he was a religious Christian, so he was pretty involved beforehand. But if you're a woman, you're thinking about how you're sitting right now, you're probably dressed sinistically. If you're married, maybe your hair is covered. Before you put a bite of food in your mouth, you make a bracha. Before you go to bed, you say Shema. 
you wash your hands a certain way when you come out of the bathroom, you say a bracha when you come out of the bathroom. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but almost every single moment of a 24-hour day, you're involved in some form of mitzvah observance. How you talk, not speaking Lashon Hara, whatever it is. So, interestingly enough, the first base Hamikdash, there's a Gemara that says this, the first base Hamikdash was destroyed because the Jews did not say Birchas Torah. So, of course, the question is, what does that mean? They didn't say Birchas Torah, what? Of course they did. What it means, the answer given, is that they weren't busy with it in the way that I'm just, I've just described now. They viewed it as an intellectual accomplishment, um, something to know as an academic project, and it wasn't something that was informing their decisions and informing their lifestyles in a way that we want Torah to be doing for us. And I'm going to tie this back to Hanukkah at the end. So I'm going to hold on to this, but move on. Um, but obviously the way that we connect with Hashem is through Torah, not through thinking about God. Yes, obviously through prayer, but even more so by learning Torah and by doing the mitzvot, right? There's that famous Pasuk that says that Hashem says, I would rather they forget about me and keep my Torah. And you find, by the way, the more and more sort of modern um, and less religious Jews get, the less and less they talk about Torah. I have a friend who was in a very, very modern shul, and she said, you know, the rabbi is very nice, and he gives very beautiful speeches. He talks about Israel, and he talks about God, very important things. I'm not negating that. But she said, you know, he doesn't talk about Torah a lot. So we have this word Torah Judaism that for some reason, um, when you get into like conservative and reform Judaism, they don't talk about Torah Judaism. They talk about Judaism as uh, a secular pursuit almost. Torah Judaism is that I experience my Judaism through the laws of the Torah, through the study of the Torah, and through observing that mitzvot, and through making Torah primacy prime, um, prime in my home, and the most important thing through which um, I go about my daily experiences. And this is what we do. This bracha, la'asok b'derei Torah, is to be busy, to engross ourselves in the words of the Torah. So, of course, now when I was thinking about preparing this, my mind went, well, this is a this is a podcast for Jewish women. How do women understand this or how do they get involved in this bracha? Because we don't have a mitzvah as Jewish women of learning Torah day and night the way men do. Obviously, we need to learn Torah because we are obligated to keep the mitzvahs. So in order to do that, you need to learn a little bit. You need to know a little bit about what you're doing, what's milchiks, what's fleshiks, how to keep the holidays and all that. Um, and we certainly get a mitzvah for learning Torah, like if you learn Parsha and Shabbos or whatever it is, but you don't you know, you don't have an obligation to be busy with it day and night. So how do we understand a woman's role within, with regards to this mitzvah? How do you make this bracha meaningful to you in your daily prayers? Which is really what I started this podcast for, which was to understand the brachos so that they are more meaningful, so that when we say them, um, we're able to do so with more kavana and a deeper understanding of those brachos. Um, so... I immediately thought of the Pasuk in Mishlei, Shema b'ni Musar avicha v'altitosh Torah simecha. So listen, my son, to the Musar of your father. I guess Musar is chastisement or direction of your father. V'altitosh Torah simecha. Do not leave, do not turn away from the Torah of your mother. So the commentary is explained there. There's one opinion that says, well, the first part about the father is the, refers to the, Written law, the second part refers to the oral law, but on a more deeper understanding, what we understand is that women are responsible for creating the Torah environment in the home, creating the importance 
of Torah in the home, creating the atmosphere that Torah is how we live our lives, and encouraging her children, or making sure, I should say, that her children learn Torah. So I think of a beautiful minhag that um, Ashkenazi families, Ashkenazi uh, married couples do, or under the chuppah, I should say. Sorry if I'm stumbling my words there for a second. Uh, um, where they, a woman will walk around the husband seven times under the chuppah. Um, Sephardim don't do this, and, and I don't think German Jews do this, but it's a really beautiful minhag. And what it signifies is that woman is responsible for sort of erecting that barrier and creating the environment in the home. This is something that women have historically been called upon to do, where women have sort of, I guess, maybe not lost the plot, both in physical situations and in spiritual situations, and have been responsible for the preservation of Kal Yisrael through many, many difficult situations. I mean, the earliest example that you can think about, and this maybe isn't even the earliest example, but because I'm thinking maybe now with Rivka, um, ensuring that Yaakov got the bracha from his father rather than Esav. But we think about Shifra and Pua in Mitzrayim. That was Yochavet and Miriam who were the midwives who protected the Jewish babies from being killed. Later on, you have um, when the Jews were, or maybe not even later on, around the same time period, I guess, when the Jews were enslaved in Mitzrayim and the men said, you know what, like, why should we bring babies into this world? Like, look at the situation we're in slavery. What are we bringing them in for? And the women really you know, like I said, they didn't lose the plot. They went and took the mirrors and they beautified themselves and they said, no, we're, we have hope for the future. We're going to bring Jewish children into this world. Later on in the Midbar, you know, the men were worshiping the golden calf. Women would refuse to give their jewelry up. They said, no, this is not okay. We're keeping our loyalty to Hashem throughout this. And there's been certainly many, many examples throughout history. Um, you know, women that really, again, were responsible for preserving and creating that um, environment in the home, which allowed the Jewish nation to continue until today through everything that we've been through. This has really been on the backs and on the shoulders of women to really accept and understand with a clear-eyed laser focus that Torah is primary and that it's our obligation to ensure that our children learn Torah through these sacrifices. In my own family, or I guess in my in my husband's family, um, my husband recently lost his grandfather grandmother, great-grandmother, I should say. I'm sorry. So she was almost 100 years old when she passed. We don't actually know because she went through the Holocaust, so we don't have her birth records. But the story we everybody told about her over and over again after she passed away was when they came to America, um, there was several business opportunities for Zadie, for my husband's grandfather. Um, one of these required the family to move to Newark, and it was an incredible opportunity. And they, of course, they were refugees, Holocaust survivors, no family, an incredible business opportunity. But she put her foot down and she said, absolutely not. We're not taking our kids away from Jewish schools. And that's more important than making money. And she was really Zoha to see children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and even great-great-grandchildren who all kept to mitzvahs because of that clear-eyed laser focus of what is the most important thing in my home? learning Torah, having to- children who are Torah observants, and, and creating that environment through what, however, you know, h- however we do that. So this is what, you know, I guess if we could think about a way for women to connect to this bracha, la'asopu divrei sorah, that would be, that would be the way. Now you might say, well, not every single woman is a mother. Maybe you're listening to this and you're not a mother yet. Okay, so this is good, 
good encouragement or inspiration for you for the future. But the truth is, if I had to think of the one person that was responsible for Torah Judaism existing today after the Holocaust, I would probably say that that all rests on the shoulders of a woman who never had any children. That, of course, is Sarah Schnero, who created the Beis Yaakov movement before the war. Um, and again, she had that, that feminine energy, that very clear-eyed understanding of what the Jewish people need, which is in Torah learning. So she created the Beis Yaakov movement where girls are now going and learning Torah. And of course, after the war, when the Jewish community was decimated, those girls who learned Torah, which by the way, my husband's grandmother was one, she told me how um, Sarshner used to come every month to her Beis Yaakov. It was her and another girl who used to go to the Beis Yaakov in the community. They would go to the next community over because it was none in her little town. And Sarshner used to come every single month and quiz all the girls and test them. And they were all a little scared when she would come that, you know, like it was like a, it was like a big deal every time she came there to test them. But she had like this army of women, I guess, ready to go preserve Torah when, you know, I guess somebody might have called it a day if they were looking from the outside and didn't have an understanding or a broader understanding of how strong Jewish women are and, of course, the Jewish people as a whole. But we really have this incredible power here, and this bracha is a beautiful opportunity to connect to that energy. So I said I was going to um, connect this to Hanukkah, which I want to do, and I heard this um, yesterday, uh, Rabbi, Chaim, Rabbi Chaim Friedlander, was talking about the Greeks and Hanukkah and the Greeks and Torah. And he said, why is it that the Greeks didn't admire Torah or admire the Jews for their Torah? After all, the Greeks valued above all intellectual achievement, philosophy, writing, literature. These were all Greek values, math, science. The Torah, which is basically an intellectual pursuit, you'd think that that would be something that the Greeks would get behind instead of, you know, forcing the Jews to stop learning on pain of death, which is what happened. And he answers very beautifully, and I think it explains sort of what I was talking about in a very real way, that what the Greeks valued was human knowledge and human understanding, human achievement. They valued the wisdom of people. When we're learning Torah, we're valuing the wisdom of God. It's not something that we're doing for a degree. We don't learn Torah for... Uh, achievement. There's not necessarily an end goal. La Sokba de Vresora means to be busy with Torah. We're busy with God's knowledge. We're busy with God's truth. And we're trying to understand the way of God through that study. This isn't just about, this isn't at all about human achievement, human accomplishment, human innovation. It's about God's innovation. And that holiness was something that was in direct opposition to what the Greeks were all about, which was glorifying the body, glorifying the human, glorifying human achievement rather than God's achievement. So on that note, um, I guess I will hopefully post next week on Hanukkah. I was thinking, I think I mentioned this before, please let me know your thoughts. I was thinking maybe I would post something about um, women in Hanukkah. Um, and then after that, maybe get into Birchos HaShachar. So if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, um, if you'd like to be in touch with me, please email me at a deeperconversation120 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll meet you at the next episode.